0: and welcome in it is the bcj podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com as always presented by the holy grail at the banks make sure it is baseball season get down and uh get to the holy grail banks get you some food get you some ice cold beverages and if you so desire you can Make your way over to the Reds game, but that's not the cool thing to do in Cincinnati right now. So I've, I've I've suggested you want the experience. You can get the experience. Just go to the Holy Grail. Don't go to the game. Get the Holy Grail, your uh, your hard-earned money, and uh, you still get to be downtown and experience everything like you're at a Reds game. All right, let's get this ball rolling. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone, a guest ten years in the making tonight. He, he's been very elusive. He's camera shy. He's yeah. not a guy that, he, it's not a guy that likes, unlike, uh, so Brady is basically the co-host of our Monday podcast. Um, he's on like like two, three times a month and Brady loves it, uh, but but this guy likes to be a little bit more low profile, a little more low key, but I, I sent him out a text. Dave and I yesterday were like, we have got to get a guest uh, because it's May and there's not a whole lot going on right now and I don't know how we're going to carry uh, a show, but we sent out a, I said, well, I'll try Rayfelt. He usually says, eh, I don't know. I'm not feeling pretty today. Uh, but yesterday he was feeling pretty and he gave us the thumbs up. So here we are with none other than Mr. UC Strength, the head of the Monster Factory, my good friend, Mike Rayfelt. What's going on, brother?
1: Hey, thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me in. Um, just says it's a, uh, you know, but your relentless effort to get me on the show. So. And you're <laughs> making of us kind of harassing each other before games and, um, all those, all those things. So it's, uh, it's cool to be on and thanks for having me, man.
0: This is the one thing I was thinking about today, Mike, um, with, with Mick gone now and going through the, the, the changes and and now landing at West Miller going into year two, since you arrived on campus, you have seen more practices than anybody. Yeah, like that's your that's your just like you're at that point now where you've outlasted for the most part, everybody. So you've seen more Bearcat basketball practice than essentially anybody on the planet over the past 10 years.
1: Yeah, that might be true. I think myself and Bob would be right there. (laughs) I counter number count of practice I've seen on the current staff. Right. So uh, Bob
0: did football for a while when you got here. So he wasn't at every basketball practice there for a while.
1: Yeah. He's such, he's such a multi talented guy, right? So he's all over the place, um, overseeing a lot of stuff. So um, that might be true. We'd have to we have, to, do we'd a have to
0: tally the numbers, right? But I think it's close. I think you might be the
1: guy. Take the trophy on it.
0: Yeah, you're the you're the 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 Lord of the Dungeon.
1: The, yeah, because <laughs> when I, you know I first came in, you know, like you know Mick and Savino, I was I was kind of a young guy on staff. And now, you know, um, I mean, I'm old. I'm older than Wes, so right, <laughs> uh, being kind of a more tenured person.
0: Uh, what dollars? The only one that's got you, Roberts might.
1: Yeah, I, Roberts,
0: not really close. I yeah, I know you guys are right around the same age. Pretty close. Um, so uh, let, let's get into it. Let's yeah. get to the Mike, like the Mike Rayfelt backstory. Uh, what, what, what was it? How did that, how did things transpire that, that got you to UC? You were the Bengals, right? Right. So. Uh, when you came to Cincinnati, what got you into strength and conditioning? What, what started this path and how did it lead you to Cincinnati?
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a long story and I, I hate talking about myself, so I'll do my best for this. Well, this is a
0: podcast. You're going to have for a little bit, you're going to have to <laughs> indulge me and then we'll talk. We'll, I'll ask you questions about other people.
1: Okay. <laughs> so what got me into strength conditioning? Well, yeah, I, I played football, um, played in college, St. Cloud State, obviously played in high school. I had a really influ- influential high school football coach. Um, basically, I like, changed my life, his leadership, and I I kind of like – I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I always thought that was pretty cool, coaching, and I love being in sports, so I want to be part of something greater myself. Uh, originally, so I originally wanted to be a football coach. Um, played college football, like I said, went through it, and obviously I always loved – I wasn't very good, but I like I trained and worked hard and I always loved the train aspect of it. So part of my education got into strength conditioning, worked at the high school level all through college. And um, I was fortunate enough to have um, my high school strength coach end up working in the NFL. So when I was done with college, I was able to get an internship um, with the NFL down in Jacksonville, Florida. That internship turned into a job. I was there for about three years. Um, ended up going to like a semi-pro pro league start called the UFL. Um, that was with, you know, there's a bunch of former pros NFL coaches in that. I did that for two years and then that league kind of went up under. And then by that time I was really searching for something. And Jeff Friday, which was Chip Morton at the time, the head strength coach for the Bengals assistant. Um, He's the one that hired me for the UFL. He got me at the Bengals and, Right time, right place. Mick was looking for a strength coach. I was looking for, you know, more of a permanent gig, and uh, was in Cincinnati and came in for an interview, and the rest is history.
0: Okay. Um, sorry, it just like cut out for a second. No, you're good. Uh, w- working with Mick as your first like full time guy. How much of an adjustment was that cuz when you get down to it Mick is a great guy but he's demanding and he he knows what he wants and knows what he expects and how was that adjustment for you and and how long did it take before you and Mick really hit a stride because he still to this day uh raves about you and, and and talks about how great you were for the program
1: Yeah no I mean I love working for Mick um, the ultimate non micromanager you know just and that's how Wes is too. This allows me to be basically a head coach of the weight room. Right. So, um, from that aspect, I mean, it was, it was amazing, uh, for adjustment compared to NFL, a huge adjustment, um, mix, obviously super, super passionate. Um, the best guy in the world, but obviously, uh, during practice, uh, game day, you know, you let him do his job, stay out of the way. And, uh, he does the same for you, but, uh, yeah You're I mean I, right obviously a million Nick Cronin stories that are not you know podcast worthy but uh <laughs> um huge adjustment I love the guy um he's the best
2: okay. so <clears throat> you kind of go right into it from you know working with the bengals right in into u c what like you kind of mentioned like it's a, a different what are some of what were some of the biggest adjustments you needed to make? from just a coaching standpoint of younger college athletes versus professionals, or just like your day to day, like what were the biggest things that you had to kind of re not reteach, but relearn yourself on how you gotta do things one way versus how they were being done?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, working with college basketball players versus NFL like pro athletes. Um I mean, I, I, I try to keep the same philosophy and I tell the players in recruiting visits and our current players now, you know, the golden rule. I want you, I'm going to treat you just like you want to be treated and vice versa, right? So it's that creating that professional relationship. And I uh, kind of carry that over. So um, even though you're dealing with younger, you know, non-professional student athletes, um, but like just obviously, not, I think I really actually, if I had a, like college basketball, I really enjoy. There's only, we only have 15 guys. We have a couple more walk-ons, you know, 16, 17 guys, depending on the roster. You just get to know the guys at such a more intimate level than, obviously, an NFL where guys are not there all day. There's those class schedules, so they're in. They come out. They leave, you know, the facility a little bit earlier. Um, I'm I'm with the guys all day. Um, It might be one-on-one, one-on-two. Guys are constantly coming in and out. I'm at practice, so each guy – you know, having Trey Scott for five years or, you know, Jaron Coleman for four years or just having these guys over the uh, long time and spend so much hours with them, you just get to know the guys much better. Um, So it's a really cool experience as a coach.
0: Basketball. Give us your basketball background. Did you want to work in basketball? Did you know you want to work in in basketball? Like, what was your reaction when there's a job open, but it's
1: a basketball job? Yeah, no, I, I had zero, actually zero experience in all professional uh, NFL athletes. And that's something that really intrigued um, Mick. His previous strength coach was a football guy. Um, he really liked him. Dave Andrews was his name. He's He works in college football right now and really liked that, not necessarily mentality, but that approach. Um, end of the day, strength conditioning, strength conditioning. Obviously, body types are a little different. Um But for me, in my, you know, 10 years doing college basketball, I had to evolve. I'm a totally different strength coach than I was, you know, in year one with Mick versus last year or or currently. Um, Totally changing, totally evolving. Um, And the student athlete's totally different, too. So you have to be constantly changing and evolving to to
2: stay up with the times. Can you, that was going to be one of my questions about, like, just in the profession and how you've. See it differentiate from when you started to now. Like, can you kind of go a little bit deeper on that? Like what you've done differently, how you've changed how you approach it and kind of how the athletes have changed as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's a few things. Um, The perception of strength conditioning with college basketball players or high school basketball players or even pro athletes. Um, I always reference LeBron James um, and all the articles about him spending like you know one point two million dollars on his body, right? Nutritionist, strength coach, workout, and so it's been kind of a in like in vogue thing for these for player development. Um, it wasn't like that when I first started. Um, the you know basketball players maybe saw as a necessary evil. Uh, now you know more guys are seeking out um, that as a resource from a recruiting standpoint. Um, or, you know, the pro guys too, just trying to find the best resource for them to physically develop and have a competitive edge. Um, before that, it was maybe more like the Allen Iverson attitude. Um, not for everyone, but it's totally a totally different playing field. Uh, social media plays a huge role. Uh, these, you know, everyone's exposed to different trainers, different training methods online. Um, so you really want to stay up up to date on your train methods. Um, just kind of stay in the routine. Um, and staying obviously knowledgeable on what's out there. Uh, technology, big difference, um, from how we do load management at practice. So, looking at guys, you know, mileage, their g force, their heart rate, their intensities during practice to keep them healthy and safe.
0: Mike, I'm curious, how long was it until you started feeling comfortable in basketball? Or, or are you that? I mean, I would figure you're finally at that point where you know, like, guards trained different than big men and all the intricacies of it but how long was that learning curve to where you were finally like all right i think i got the hang of this um i think i'm in a good spot here
1: yeah i i it took i think it took me a good 3 years um not just for me as as a strength coach cuz again strength conditioning strength conditioning um, human physiology is human ph- physiology right we're all basically the same but just having the buy-in of the team um how you know getting better at learning how to motivate kids find their buttons especially from a college um athlete perspective you know working with pro nfl players are totally different than college players of trying to fix motivational buttons um having your freshmen now be juniors um, so year three is really a turning point in a lot of programs that was a turning point for me with nick by that year three mark
2: Yeah, UC's, going back a long time, has had, you know, a reputation of toughness and strength and things like that, and we all know that every program talks about how important strength and conditioning is. but, like, you can tell, especially in college basketball, like, where programs where it really does matter, what do you think, you know, when you came in and you carried carry that on. What do you think differentiates the UC program from maybe how you guys do things to the and take it to another level, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the country?
1: Yeah, and before taking the job, I mean, I was told that like that's the bear, like that's Bearcat tradition, that's toughness. So I, I knew that going in, and I like that as a strength conditioning coach, right? Like that's one thing, not necessarily mental toughness, but to put on confidence to put on. Um, obviously size and strength and two one of our athletes, I can control that. Um, so I thought that was really exciting just with the culture, um, that was previously already instilled, um, as being a Bearcat. Right. Um, but like, yeah, so <clears throat> end of the day, it's, it's the, I mean, it's the athletes we recruit, right? So I'm only going to be as good as like the guys we get so we can make you can make changes um there's outliers you know there's you know there's guys like jacob evans that might not be he wasn't a top 100 recruit in three years changed his body and you know was a first-round draft pick um obviously like that but at the end of the day like if we recruit tough kids we'll train we'll get them better we'll move the mark but if a kid's not tough physically or mentally coming in we really can make move the gauge so much right so i think it just where we're at with how we recruited and kind of the culture and the kids kind of, you know, they know put on that Jersey. It's that's part of the deal. So the monster factory, 99%
0: of people don't know when you arrived at Cincinnati, that was two separate rooms, white walls, maybe a couple elliptical machines, like uh, a couple of the, the, the yoga balls or whatever. Basically, it was a space that was used by employees uh, of the the university that would come down and, and maybe get a, a little workout in, get a little time on the treadmill in on their lunch break, uh, essentially, right? Like that's what it was at that when you like when you got here.
1: It was pretty bizarre. It was I mean, it's a huge space. It's yeah. in weight room, which I understand why they use that because we, we made such a huge financial commitment to that, obviously way before I came. Um, and it's a beautiful space, but at the same time, you had this like outlier space that didn't have much equipment in it. So I kind of went over there and made that into, you know, the, we call it the court sports or basketball facility where, um, we can do, have some more specialized equipment in there for basketball. But yeah, it was bizarre. There's, you know, there's some years down there and other people, it's <laughs> going work out and I have Justin Jackson over on the bench press, you know, next to them, but it's, it's uh, change and um it became you know exclusively a court sports basketball
2: who, who controlled the music back then
1: seniority player seniority <laughs> so we've had some uh some interesting tunes uh, not you know not the nice music guy. I, I i like alternative rock um, hard rock My list, but i don't get to listen to much of that <laughs> <laughs> how did how how difficult was that to sell the vision of like
0: look i need this space like i i i, I don't I, Football, they need a big, huge space. I need something a little more smaller, a little bit more intimate. And and this space isn't really being used a lot. Like, what was that sales pitch on? I, I need, I need that wall to come down. I need this to be one room, and I need it to be mine.
1: It, it just it took time. Like it just evolved. I didn't it wasn't really. I think of asking for permission or someone saying, "Hey, this can be the the basketball room." It was just slowly invested over time, painting a wall here, getting done bringing this piece of equipment so over you know the 10 years um it just slowly became the monster factory right it was this beautiful evolution of hard work and making something new every day and then slowly came together and uh now it's kind of a, a highlight of some of our recruiting visits and um you know not not just serving men's basketball but helping some of our other student athletes too So
0: you are, and and this will go back to the part, you don't like talking about yourself, but but you're kind of like a a MacGyver of a a strength coach, right? Like, uh, you know, I see two or three things. I've got an idea in my head. Maybe there's not something out there uh, that's like what I need, or maybe the thing that's like what I need isn't budgetarily, you know, wise or whatever. Where's that innovation come from where you're just like, look, we're going to figure out how to get what, like, the hand roller things are one of your creations, right? Like,
1: yeah. take me through some of the stuff you've come up with and, and how that works. Hey, tell you what, like, you know, Brady, Brady's really good at that, too. Um, he does a ton of that stuff, finds stuff, brings it in. Um, I, I think he was telling me he's been at Airby, played against sports in the Tri-State. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I respect that a lot. Um, some of the same, um, you know, background and heart I come from when it comes to – trying to leave no stone unturned and helping your helping your guys or some other female student athletes in our program. But uh so the story so when I worked for the UFL, um I had to move out to Casa Grande, Arizona, which is about thirty minutes south of Phoenix. And I showed up and I had about ninety pro just lot of college football players show up. And I, I was the strength coach. It was a large facility. But no how old were you? How old oh, were you? I was, after three years in the NFL, I was like 26, 27. Okay. So, about yeah. almost the same age as those guys, or many of them, not yeah. far off. Some are older. We had Don- Dante Culpepper, Pepper was the Pro Bowl quarterback. He was our quarterback. Uh, a bunch of, like, Jeff Garcia was in that league. There's a bunch of dudes. But, um, showed up. There was zero strength conditioning equipment. And would show up for another month. <laughs> uh, I did a job. Like, what am I, I going to do? I'm one guy. Got 90 90 athletes. I don't have an assistant, and we have no equipment. But uh, Casa Grande, Arizona, um, the one thing they did have is a lot of sand. Right? It's like there. <laughs> it's hot, dry, dry heat, super hot. It's a ton of um, sand and dirt. And one of the things, a lot of uh, semis came through there, and they blew a lot of tires, so you, I could go. I found all these these dumpsters and inside of tractor tires, there's inner tubes. And so I made a bunch of like uh Bulgarian bags are called with duct tape, sand, PVC pipes, TRXs, DIY. So I had to out of necessity uh, to justify what I'm doing. So it was funny though. This was when, remember back in when P90X was popular? Uh-huh. All the guys thought it was cool. Like, oh man, we're like doing P90X body weight. <laughs> Da, 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 but really we we're just doing it because we didn't have the equipment show up on time. Um, so that kind of was spurred it just out of necessity and I'm a pretty handy guy. Um, and obviously, you know, we we have to find ways to train our guys and uh, if we don't have the right piece of equipment or don't have the, in our budget that year, let's, let's find a way.
2: All right. So the opposite of that, the, what, what are some of the new technologies that you, that get you excited that you guys have been able to add and over the last couple
0: Oh, uh, new technology, I think the cat might have hit the exit button.
1: No, I can answer that question. That's perfect because it's a ton of stuff. Um, one of the main things we started using with the last years is uh, it's a device that the NBA uses. It's called Connectson. Um It's a little chip that goes in the back of their shorts, other player shorts, and it tracks their distance. David, back.
2: Yeah, Mike. My- cat
0: knocked me off <laughs> <laughs> that's what we guessed we guessed it was the cat you got enough of the question in that Mike say yeah well,
1: though. yeah um so the connects on nba uses it. it's a load management system uh checks distance speed jumps gives us more data than we can need um but helps myself coach west program practice are we going hard enough uh, Are we going too hard um, where are we at in the season, uh, individual players, how hard are they going, um, so we can have all those data, and then we can have, like, educated discussions versus just, like, are they, We're, like, just by our eye. And it's it's funny because the scientific data, the data we collect, usually supports what we see, right? It's not like it's, like... It, right.
0: It just, you, it, there's It's very rare you're, like, man, this guy's practicing hard, and then you go check the data, and you're, like, oh, actually... He fakes it really well. <laughs>
1: right. Usually, you can tell right, coach's eye, coach's experience, but then it supports it. So then you can have some um, sit down and educated versus just um, I'm th- I'm thinking that right. It's like nah, actually this is this is the data and this is where we need to get to. Um, but from an injury prevention or decrease the likelihood of injury, I should say you can never really prevent an injury, but decrease the likelihood. Um, load management, again, it's huge in MBA. NBA. It's just another resource you can provide for our, for our student athletes. Um, we use a lot more uh, force plates, uh, which is big, which is basically, it's like a really expensive uh, scale. It measures your force into the ground. Uh, back in the day, you know, you, it's like, well, what, how much does a guy squat? How much does a guy bench? On well, basketball, it's really irrelevant. Uh, you always go to the story of Kevin Durant. He can't, he couldn't bench 185 pounds coming in. So, you know, obviously Kevin Durant. But if we can increase uh, the student athletes forced into the ground um, and they have the equal and the opposite reaction out of the ground, they're going to produce more force, can be more explosive, block more shots, maybe a little faster, right? Um, we do a lot of vision training. I think that's a unique thing we do. Um, I got a lot of that from Bob. Uh, just trying to increase our student athletes' peripheral vision our basketball players' peripheral vision. It's you know it's um we're on our phones a lot, we're watching TV, so actually that gets detrained. Like right now our peripheral visions can detrain some folks in on on you guys. But we try to open that up through some vision reaction boards we have in the weight room. And that's why we call the the Monster Factory when you tell the recruits it's not just a weight room. It's it's really a performance center.
0: We've got a question kind of on that that line uh, like the, 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 like the blue light glasses,
1: like what, a, what are, tell me about those a little bit. Yeah. So actually that was, <clears throat> we were playing, um, on the West coast. We we're about to play UCLA. And the year before that, I really got into like sleep. How can we improve our student athletes sleep? Which is obviously really hard to do. It's like trying to improve their nutrition. so sort of one of the things they we really need to educate them on. You know, I, I'm not tucking them in a bed. I'm not. I'm not feeding them at night. Only have the meals that we're we provide for them are good. But where are they doing those? You know, 20, 22 hours away from us. Um, but we're going to UCLA. Obviously, it's on the west coast. Um, your circadian rhythm is your internal clock. A lot of studies on how that affects performance. Well, one of the biggest things, or one of the best things you can do, one for sleep. And the reset your circadian rhythm. So, like if you're flying to London or flying to the West Coast, is morning, um, morning light better natural light. So when the sun rises over the horizon, it comes through a certain angle through the atmosphere, and the the biggest amount of blue light you can get is in that morning. And that's why they tell you not to have blue light at night. Turn your TV off, cell phones off at night because it's producing that blue light, telling your body's internal clock that it's it's daylight. So I shouldn't so, sleep with my TV on. Correct. Shit. Well, you could technically sleep with it on as long as you blocked it out with some with your eyes, but you still get that. You still. My get eyes it. are closed. Yeah, but <laughs> you have uh, the photoreceptors in your inner ear. Crazy. So I went down the rabbit hole to discover how we can increase, you know, better our kid our kids' uh, circadian rhythm, create a competitive advantage, especially like a new game. Um, a lot of our student athletes are still producing, you know, melatonin. You know, a lot of people take that before bed. Well, our body obviously obviously, naturally produces that. When you see that morning light, shuts that melatonin down, and that's what we're doing with the blue light glasses. It's artificial sun, sunrise. So, like today, like this year, when we played Wichita State, um, at Wichita State is a noon game. At breakfast, all the all the guys are wearing their blue light glasses it looks funky like the the people that are serving are like omelets and like breakfast people are like what what is going on questions <laughs> the guys dig it after they do it and they help them then they're requesting it like coach mike i need the blue eyed glasses help me um if if the guy's already a morning person it's probably not as a advantageous competitive advantage but I tell the guys, what if that was the 1%? What if that was the one possession that could get us to win? Because w- they weren't doing it, right? Um, and that particular game, yeah, it was, right? It's a one-possession game. It feels like every game we play out there is a one-possession game. Yeah. Luckily, we've been on the right side of the Rec- The
0: record's been pretty good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, you took a, a one-year vacation. That uh, was uh, COVID. Then didn't count. It was ten months. It, <laughs> it was like a fake season, no fans in the stands. So we just, it, it just didn't, it just didn't, it didn't happen. I yeah. mean,
0: um
2: mean, if we're being honest, like there's maybe three places I would rather, you know, not be than there for during COVID. That had to just be miserable.
1: <laughs> yeah, if we're, if we're if, being honest. <laughs> much. I was just went to work, came home. There wasn't nothing to do, right? So I didn't really get the experience in Connecticut. Did you Did you learn
0: anything being away for a year, getting a, a one-year kind of reset in your mind? Do you think it helped?
1: I, think, I mean, I learned a ton. Just how another program and not, I mean, I mean I've mean, i been through, I've been with four coaches. So every time you have a head coach, you learn something new, a different way to do things different leadership style, different coaching style. And um, as the strength coach, I always want to mirror that. So just learning their style and trying to be their head coach in the way room and mirror that stuff. So each coach you learn something new from, there's a whole different school, different facility, a different way of doing things, a different culture. Um, so I think is highly beneficial for myself, my career and the stuff I can bring back to Cincinnati obviously I brought stuff there. So I probably helped them out a lot, but, uh, vice versa. I mean, it was, it was a great learning experience and, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I mean, I'd I'd say I wouldn't, I want to go there, but it it is definitely beneficial.
0: I got yelled at a couple of weeks ago. I haven't told you this yet. I saw Danny on the road and he's like, it's your fault. Wasn't it? And I was like, well, Wes called and said, Who's the best strength and conditioning coach in the country? And I said, Mike Rayfelt. Yeah. And and so he called. And but I think Wes asked a lot of people that. And a lot of people around the community said, if you can get Mike back, that's the biggest home run you can hit. Uh what was your mindset when that phone rang and it was it was the opportunity to potentially come back?
1: Yeah, I mean that that was I mean, that was even you, you know, I I can I'm from Minnesota. But, uh, I met my wife here in Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I feel like I bleed black and red, um, like Cincinnati has become home. So and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think there'd be an opportunity for a come Um, and me being gone for a short amount of time, it was, it was really hard. Um, uh, I'm a, I feel like I'm a loyal person. So for me to make a quick change, um, from Yukon it was hard it wasn't an easy decision um but what made it a no-brainer that it was Cincinnati right if it was any other school uh, you know I'd still be there um but yeah that was that was tough super exciting but at the same time gut-wrenching because uh I mean I, I love that Yukon ex, you know loved it with coach Hurley grateful for everything he did for me and my family to bring me out there um but it was just, it was tough to leave so quickly he's the
0: best I know people have this vision of him that's only game day it's only what they see but you you got to know Danny really well I I consider Danny a good friend uh anytime we're on the road and we run into each other we end up standing around and and talking mostly Bengals for you know two three hours at a time he's an awesome guy but the lights go on that man is a competitor
1: (laughs) oh yeah he's it's like his his alter ego right like he's super he goes to do uh the Phone booth and changes into
0: <laughs> a crazy person,
1: yeah, yeah, super intense. But, like, you know, his ex knows, like, he's yeah, he's he's awesome, he's great to work for. Um, but the bank, yeah, the Bengals thing's hilarious because this that's a Bengals connection, obviously, you know, with, uh, with Elise, my wife, covering some of the Bengals over the years. I always get Dan, Dan's like, What do you got? What does Elise got? What you got? <laughs> what you got? And like. Like coach, I'm here all day. I hardly talk to my wife, man. Like <laughs> trying to help us win. So, but uh he was awesome. If he wanted to get the inside scoop, he
0: should have got her a job in the, the sports media department, and then right. he would have seen her every day and been able to work her for information because you weren't, t- she was home raising a toddler and right adjusting to life and big adjustment, huge. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody wants to know. Difference between what Wes uh, the difference between what Mick wanted you to do and, and and how to get players ready and what Wes wants, or is it is it fairly similar? They
1: seem like they're pretty similar in philosophy. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think playing style is a little different, so, but from his expectations, like very similar. Where there's it's like zero micromanaging, um, which is not necessarily a good or bad thing, but he. And Mick, I feel like, you know, obviously it took, you know, I was with years with Mick, Wes is still new, but just having that trust that, and Mick, and Wes will say this, and it's very similar to Mick's philosophy is, and I said this before in the podcast is, he treats me like I'm the head coach of the weight room or my, I'm the head coach of the monster, and he's the head coach of the team on the court. And so he almost doesn't treat me like an assistant coach. He treats me like another head coach. Um now, we have discussions about what we're doing, things like that, but it's it's basically my discretion of how I need to find a way to get the guys ready for his playing style, his practices, and to help us win games and keep the team healthy. So it's a lot of parallels and similarities and how I'm treated as an extension of the staff.
2: What is, like, what is your involvement when it comes to recruiting? Obviously, when the guys come in, you have – segment of time with them and all of that. But like, are you looking at possible recruits from like a traits standpoint and like a physio physiological standpoint and like talking with the coaches? Like, "I, I think this guy could be this or this guy seems to be, you know, Uber twitchy or just like, you know, almost like a NFL combine thing. Like we're looking at arm arm length and height and different testing things. Like, do you get involved from a recruiting standpoint when it comes to that stuff?
1: Uh, not uh, not until they're, like they're like officially on campus. Or sometimes I'll you know they'll send me some film, um, and I'll, I can give my insights on you know what, look at arm length like you said or standing reach or you know if look at this guy's body fat percentage, what's the potential things of that nature. But it's it's not as in depth of like where I'm making like actually recruiting decisions right <laughs> like <it's laughs> all, that guy's out.
2: Like, no, more me- <laughs> like if they bring a guy to you and then you're like, yeah, I think this is what he could become Yeah, yeah. or I see something that I, you know, this would give me reservations just based off of what I see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can, you know, give some recommendations, but it's hard. Like the time I see them, usually it's more me selling them the resources we can provide for them um, as a student athlete here at Cincinnati. Um, so I'm not, at the point they're on campus, obviously we're pretty serious about them. Um, but if I see something that's good or bad, I definitely give that back to the coaching staff. But yeah, the 45 minutes to an hour, um, show them the monster factory, go through some things. Then um, I give them a long presentation. Then try not to bore them. not give them a dissertation on like exercise <laughs> It's We have a lot to provide for these student athletes from a strength conditioning perspective. And, you know, Wes, treats me as the best strength co- coach in the country for men's basketball. And that's, that's what we sell these guys of how can we physically develop them, not just on the court, not just as men, but, you know, the physical development side too, which is again now it's in vogue. So we're keep, when now we're competing against, um, you know, hopefully soon here, one of the big 12, obviously everyone in American. And um, if we can have the best strength conditioning program and uh, physical development program in the country, maybe that'll give us an edge um, to get, you know, the best players possible.
0: Um, any favorites over the years, anybody, uh, maybe not favorites, but any, any guys that maybe the energy was just like, man, I know when I come in every day, like that guy, like, like I'm sure Jack was like that to an extent, uh, you know, Gary, probably to an extent, like who were those guys, Ellie, who was always like full of juice. Who were those guys that you're like, man, I I got him at 6am today and I, I can't wait to get to
1: work. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, I wake up every day excited to go to work. Um, This group of guys right now, the core group of guys that are coming back from last year are some of the hardest working, like day to day, come in even though you are sore, even though you might not want to group of Bearcats we've had in a while as a group. Um, Super impressed, super fun i um, not begging guys to come see me, like they're asking to come see me. So huge, huge, bright, you know, exciting for the future. Now, we're, you know, bringing in some freshmen and some transfers in the mix, and to have that core group of players with that type of culture is just going to make it so much better. We're going to have a great summer. But some of the favorites over the years, obviously, you know, it's pers- there's personality favorites, and then there's, like, the transformation favorites, right, the guys that, like, just – we're awesome. Right. Justin Jennifer. Yeah. Justin Jennifer. He's, he was actually in today training a little bit. He's coming back, um, working with me, uh, Trey, Trey Scott's been in, um, Trey, like I had him for five years. So, and we were, we we're super close, still super close. Um, and his story of being a red shirt, you know, I don't mean, what was his recruiting ranking? Like 200, was, 300 or something.
0: Yeah. It was low.
1: Yeah. And like, not playing basically didn't play his first three years. Didn't play his first year red shirt, had mono, was like 190 pounds. Ended up being defensive conference player of the year at 222 pounds after five years and now you know playing professional basketball. Like tremendous story, great kid, all of the above. And now his sister's around, right? So pretty cool. Um you know Gary, obviously amazing. Kyle Washington. I mean that year, this two seed year just Amazing group of guys. Um, you know, I always have Sean Kilpatrick, like the Terminator. Amazing. <laughs> if he wasn't there those years, those first couple of years, because he he bought in right away. He, he was like 227 pounds as a sophomore. He, you know, ended up being you know All-American about 205, 206. would text me every day about what he was eating. Like, he kind of started the culture, and then Gary kind of followed that up, too. Gary Clark was the guy that came in, first guy at breakfast, did all the treatment. And I think his attitude and, you know, kind of the structure we gave him really gave him the benefit to, you know, now he's in the league. And um being such a mature young guy that he is really helped him, right? Staying, keeping the league, uh, probably missing a ton of guys. Fan favorite quad squad, you know, quad <laughs> You got the quad squad mentioned in. And so. The crowd's going to go wild. I have a Quadrimore jersey, actually. -uh. Nuh-uh. Just uh, just
0: hanging out? Quad gave it to you?
1: Yeah, I got one. That's great. Man. I got to hang them up in my office.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who have been some of the freshmen over the years that have come in? And I don't know if surprise uses the right word, but, like, kind of like you've been like wow this dude is like he's pretty advanced for a 17 18 year old and understanding the importance and and you know just kind of loving the weight room so to speak because I don't know if that's a thing that has to grow as you get a little bit older if the freshmen come in truly being like workout dudes and like guys that you have to pull out of the weight room I feel like it would probably be the opposite you kind of got to drag him in a little bit at first but, like, who are some of the guys over the years that kind of just, like, jumped in right away and impressed you in that way?
1: No, I, I feel like it's gotten better over the years, like, with the with the culture and the social media and guys seeing the importance of this weight room. So, um, it's evolved. Uh, just sticking out of my head right now, Logan, Logan Johnson as a freshman coming in. Yeah. I don't know if it's because he had a brother in the NBA or what. Like, he was stellar as a freshman, just super mature, his body changed like crazy. Like, and it was, it was awesome to see him have the year he had this year. Um, that's, that one jumps out. Um, like Nazir Brooks, even though he didn't have a great freshman year. Like he was, he was super awesome as, as a freshman. Um, yeah, those are the ones I'm thinking of, but usually, usually it takes that freshman year and guys, no matter what they do in the off season, they'll hit that freshman wall kind of in the season, and um, I feel like that was a lot with you know um, you you know January February guys to that freshman wall. So usually you see the biggest jumps in in attitude, buy-in from their freshman year after freshman year to their sophomore year. Like that off season is huge. Unfortunately, we only had one freshman last year it was CJ. Um, so it's it's gonna be exciting to have some freshmen to train uh, this summer. Hey.
0: Have you talked to Josh Reed much? And how annoying is it that he's 17, 18 years old, and smarter than us?
1: Oh my gosh! And like more, more ripped and smart and ripped and jacked already, <laughs> right? Very put together before he comes in. So yeah, I'm super excited to work with him. He's he's working with a trainer with him right now. I talked to the trainer a little bit. Which we do and send workouts, but he's taking care of. He's getting ready. Um, and these kids will be be here soon, shortly here. Starting weeks. With-
0: How about Dan, a guy that, you know, what, 6'6 and 7-foot wingspan and has only really played organized basketball for three years? Like, you're licking your chops at that one.
1: Yeah, those are guys like, uh, you know, like a dry sponge. Like, they're just going to soak up everything, right? They're going to look at weights, and they're just going to put on weight, and we'll get them on a nutrition program, get protein, get shakes in them, and they're going to blossom. And um, it just, it's just—it's amazing. Some of those guys—they're—they're underweight a little bit or understrength, but they're highly skilled. And just see how much you know—a little bit more girth, a little bit more strength—it just helps their overall game. It's huge. So it's—it's it's, yeah, super exciting.
0: Sage is local, so I'm guessing you've had more interaction with him than the other ones. What uh, what what are your your initial thoughts on the uh,
1: the big Hawaiian as he gets yeah. ready to come in? He's, he's 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 getting bigger, so I I can't officially like work out with him, but he's has access to the facilities, um, and you can do that. But yeah, he's he's getting bigger. He's putting on weight. Uh, I, I I like him a lot. I, he's he's different. He's like he's quiet, reserved. Um, so it's like you. Yeah, kind of like yeah, we get along really well. I don't know. What I'm <laughs> What, what kind of
2: uh, what kind of diet nutrition plan do you put like an eighteen year old, seven footer? You know, trying do you to tell, get a,
0: you know do you just get tell a- Sage to keep eating at the family food truck. Lots of loco yeah. mocos. And like what kind of guess- what kind of
2: calorie counter are, are we talking?
1: The seafood diet, seafood eat it. No, but no. All seriousness, like. Just need to get calories. So, the biggest thing for us in the summer and our nutrition program that's another thing that's changed since 2012. Our ability from the NCAA level, compliance level, what we can give our student athletes nutritionally has has changed. Um, When I started, we couldn't give kids um, peanut butter, but we could give them peanuts. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, the
1: price takes 29, 29%, 29.6% from protein. Like there's all these like crazy rules. And I think like a lot of people credit Shabazz, Shabazz Napier. Um, he had an article come out about like he was starved. Yeah, being hungry. And and they yeah. are
0: people like people clown that. No, it's real.
1: Uh, yeah. No, like it was, it, you, you had, we could give snacks, but like there was all these things that we couldn't do per the NCAA. So that's all been like basically deregulated. So this summer, for instance, They'll have a breakfast, hot breakfast. It's in our varsity club, which is a re, uh, newly kind of renovated space. Football uses it a lot. Our basketball players, women's basketball players, plays it all summer. So they can have a breakfast. They'll have a lunch provided. They have uh, multiple fuel stations. Um, we're, we're sponsored by Gatorade currently. So we have all these nutrition shakes, um, protein powders, all these things that we can give our student-athletes now that previously we couldn't even a few years ago. It all, it's all—it's all been deregulated to give more resources to the – and they deserve it. So, but that really helps me, obviously, as a strength coach. We can train the heart, as hard as we want, but you know, like the thing is they can not train a bad diet, or they can't—you know—if they don't have the resources, they don't have the protein. Like we can train all as hard as we want, but they're not going to get any bigger and stronger, um, or at least not maximize those workouts. I should say.
2: Got anything else, Dave? No, I mean. we're Mike joined us we've, for we've almost the gauntlet. an hour. Yeah. So, what, okay, to you, from a, I don't know, what does going to the Big Twelve mean for you as a basketball strength coach?
1: Uh it's 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 everything you could want. It's The, you know, nah, that's even, like
2: the upper. That's like going back to the old Big East days, right? I mean, yeah,
1: that, so that that's what I was thinking about that today. Um, you know, that my first year we were in the old Big East, uh, you know, Syracuse you know, Nova, all the schools, I believe we finished, I want to say nine to nine in the conference. I want to say we started out, really, yeah, we started out really well. Um, and we, I thought it was like the best straight coach in the world. <laughs> really well. Man, I'm I'm amazing. But uh, I mean, obviously you have Sean and Kashmir Wright and Duquan Parker and um, sweet 16 team year before. Uh, so I was really lucky to come in that situation with Mick. Already winning culture, but uh we went 99 and obviously still made a tournament. So it's, it's a, it's a totally different, uh, you know, every, there's no game that you lose, you know, and this is not me as a strength question. There's no, no game you lose that you're like, oh man, we lose this game. It's going to ruin our season, at least in conference. Right. So you, 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 and then every game is just, it's just like so much reward and less risk versus um in our current situation.
0: Your mind doesn't go where it goes when you're on that flight to middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Yeah. I won't name names. Oh, that
1: that <laughs> <laughs> so not been friendly.
0: No, the road has been has been annoying. Uh, Ed wants to know how does he get abs. Ed's hopeless. He's a long way from abs. My he, he, doesn't, have a six he, he doesn't have a six pack, he's got a keg.
1: Well, ge- genetics is a wonderful thing for one. So <laughs> Some people just have six packs and they can eat wherever they want. But, uh, yeah, it's probably at a certain age, it's probably not going to happen. But uh, the, the answer is seriously, you'd have to have a very low body fat percentage or decrease your adipose tissue, your fat tissue to a certain level where those abs will show. So there's not going to be any workout you can do. The only thing you can do is decrease your body fat percentage as low as you can, which is extremely hard and maybe not even, and not even uh, the healthiest thing to do.
2: Um, is it true fat cells don't go away? They just get smaller.
1: One hundred percent true. They only get, they can get big as they can. I like they can get. Obviously. Yeah, Ch-
2: Chad and I know how big they can get. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> we're wow. well aware.
1: But the first thing is like where where everyone's born with a certain amount genetically, right? So if you're born with more, like in certain areas, you kind of uh, you have a less of a chance to have that six pack. So yeah. I
0: was great until thirty, and then at thirty, my metabolism retired.
1: Thirty is the number. I that's what so I tell these young guys. When you hit thirty, like back in your twenties, you you know hit hit oh, two weeks, and you're you drop ten fifteen. Now you're thirty, and as I tell some of the young coaching staffs that, like as we're coaching, to we gain a little bit of weight with the the stress and all hard things are like it doesn't, doesn't when you hit thirty, it doesn't drop as fast.
0: No, I I was like 150 pounds at like 28, and by 32. That number had uh, expanded <laughs> exponentially. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, are you are you was it like uh, like riding a bike once you got back to Cincinnati? Was it
1: like it was like I never left. again? Yeah, it was like I never left. Obviously the room, I mean the room was a little different. Um, but yeah, it was like I never left. And the that's what I said, I felt like I never left because a lot of people at the university were still when I got back last May were still working from home. And When yeah. I left in COVID, so a lot of people didn't even know I left and came back. So I was like, "Yeah, really." A lot like, of really? people wait.
2: They didn't. I hadn't seen you in a while.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh well, let's, let's forget that. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was again. It was only it was ten months, so very quick.
0: And the wife's happy again. That's what's important, right?
1: 100%. I haven't
0: seen her in a while. Tell her I miss her. It's been a while.
1: Busy man. Two two kids. Olivia's turning four. RJ's months. Busy here. Just put the kids to bed before I got on. That's why I was trying to figure out this uh, (laughs) figure out Streamyard.
0: You got you got any dogs yet?
1: No, just kids. We don't. The kids keep us busy enough. I love (laughs) that. I do. Um, always. I grew up with dogs, but uh, no time, man. Like I'd feel bad for the dog if I had it because it'd get yeah. But.
0: Yeah. All right, brother. I All think right. that's uh, I think that's good for round one. We'll, we'll, yeah. We're not going to wait 10 years between now and the next one. I just I'm not going to.
1: No, no, like food talk, no restaurants, no, like, I usually, usually hear those things. What's oh, yeah. well, I, mean, I mean,
0: we can. Like, I'm, you we, know, I'm, yeah, down we down must
2: name this podcast The Two Husky Guys. So we can definitely <laughs> talk food.
1: What you got, what you got around Union, Kentucky, man?
2: Uh, I'm in
0: Independence. Um, there's not a lot in Independence uh, specifically, uh, but if you get over into Florence, actually Union has has quite a few um, spots that are pretty good. They opened a. Uh, have you been to Boomtown Biscuits downtown? I have not. I've seen it though. <laughs> they opened one of those in Union, <clears throat> so that's that's over here. And there's a couple other couple other decent spots there. But you really got to get down, kind of Newport, Covington to really get into the 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 meat of the northern kentucky food scene. Uh but La Loca is right around the corner from where I'm at now, so yeah. I've been it's you know, you yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very Brady funny. said there Brady said there was talk of they might be looking to open a spot in Clifton,
1: La Torta Loca. They need to. Maybe uh Brady by like we all can come in and be like partial owners or something. So I think we should drive right there.
2: <laughs>
0: I actually, one time I introduced myself to the owners and they were like, wait, are you the guy on social media that sends everyone here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've okay. probably sent you $10,000 worth of business. Did right. you get a free uh, sandwich? No, they were just like, thanks, man. <laughs> Gracias, amigo.
1: Here's your bill. <laughs> Here's your torta. So yes. $11. Before,
2: before you go, we got a, one last question. What's your favorite cheat meal? Oh, man.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. See, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this, but you know, we're in good company here, so um, just nobody's to- watching, it's all right. I was watching right <laughs> now, none, <laughs> none of the players are probably watching, let's put, put it that way. Um, I would be like, don't like, i I'd be at donuts, I'll do some, some like really good donuts from like a really good bakery, like some Boston cream, yeah, donuts. like an old
0: school, like, like more, dude. Donuts are like ridiculous. Like there's yes. strawberry cheesecake and blueberry. Like like it's it's like 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 cupcakes, but a donut.
1: Yeah, no, there's like those voodoo. Like all especially donut places in Osgo. Like it's a normal glaze, like you know, Boston cream. Let's crush that.
2: Just get a dozen up. hot out of the oven from Krispy Kreme and just hammer all those.
1: But I used to work for Krispy Kreme once back in the day. So like. <laughs> I don't eat like I've had so many free Krispy Kremes and <laughs> eat it. The smell of it, it's like one of those deals. So Krispy Kreme's out, but like anywhere else, yes.
0: It's it's a bit of a chain, but um I've tried it recently by my house in Union actually. Have you had peace, love, and little donuts? No. So they're just like the little tiny donuts, but they're all made up and they've got like 40 40 different flavors. And you can just get like two of these and two uh, of those, but they're just the tiny little
1: portion control. It's perfect for me. yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you, I mean, if they're small, you can eat as many as you want.
1: That's right. Your yeah, nurse. that's how it <laughs> works. <laughs>
0: All right, man. You've been awesome with your time. We love it. And uh we've waited a long time. And we I it's not like it was uh, you were avoiding, it was like we wanted to do it this time, and then things didn't work, and then things got yeah. You left for a little bit.
1: You know, it just makes it better, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Some things are worth the wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Appreciate you, brother. Tell Elise we said I love her, and we will see you soon. And uh, go Bearcats.
1: Go Bearcats. Take care. All right, right, there you
0: go. Mike Rayfelt, The Monster Factory. You can just hit leave whenever you're ready. You can still stay and listen to me hype you up if you want the monster factory and uh, the guy that I, I've had many people and, and many people around the country tell me the best strength and conditioning coach in men's basketball in the country. Um, and, and that's not just like everybody says their guy is the best guy, right? But that's it. He's frozen.
2: I love he, how he's oh, there. He goes, he's frozen. no, I, I did oh, that. Like,
0: he, he was okay. He, he oh. was just frozen with a big smile on his face. Um, All right, When you talk
2: real quick? I got to go do something real fast. Do the, Do okay. our ad read, and then I'll be right back.
0: Okay. That was a timestamp brought to you by Urban Artifact. Urban Artifact, the largest sour-only brewery company in the U.S. They pack over 700,000 pounds of real fruit into their lineup of fruit tarts every year. Swing by Urban Artifacts, Northside Tap Room. Mention Bearcat Journal and get $2 off a flight of four tasters that was great like uh, look Mike is Mike is as good a dude as you'll ever meet genuinely loves his job genuinely has grown to love the city of Cincinnati like I, I I look forward to um when I get to be at practice because I know I'll always spend a little bit of time uh chatting with Mike I get to games about two hours early and as the team is is coming out and getting ready to warm up, Mike is always around with whoever his assistant is, and we give each other a hard time and joke around. And, um, But that's just a great dude. And Cincinnati is very, very lucky. Like, we talk about how lucky Cincinnati is to have Luke and Wes running the football and basketball programs at the same time. The same can be said for Brady and Mike. Like, and that was no lie. Tonk, you are too kind. Thank you, sir. 20 earlier, I'm sorry. I didn't get to that. 999 <laughs> $9 now, you are the man. Um, but Mike genuinely gives a crap. And, and that's what makes him so good at his job. And Dave, I know that's your first interaction with him, uh, you know, in a in a setting like this, but that's just who he is, man. It, it's It's very genuine. It's very authentic.
2: For sure. For sure. I mean, like, you know, we don't like to throw around like, you know, obviously we don't talk about it. And the coaches don't like to talk about it, but you have two head coaches at your two major sports and two head strength and conditioning coaches at those sports that I would be willing to bet, you know, a whole hell of a lot of power five schools wish they had. So, you know, to, to be able to have that, maintain that, keep that. Thank you, Ed. It would, Big it would box, re- Ed. It would Love have it. better if you to just put 69 cents, but maybe some other two. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, you've got now, – now it's not going to matter, hopefully, because they're going into the Big 12. But, I mean, to be able to have those guys and have them as long as we've had them, coaches and – strength coaches like it's definitely a testament to you know what they think of uc and then in like you know brady and luke's case their relationship um because i don't mean you don't see that happen at any other program that's been you know in the same type of conference that uc's been in for the last you know eight years or so
0: well think about it like this dave strength and conditioning coach is a very personal hire right like that is the right-hand man of the head coach. 99% yeah, of the time. They
2: spend more time with the players than anybody right. else on the staff.
0: And if your strength and conditioning coach is shit, then the guy you've got with your players more than anybody at the, at the university isn't running a, a, a great show. Mike was retained when Mick left. He left and went to UConn for 10 months, like he said. Uh, but then came back because Wes was told look you might have your guy but this is the guy if mm-hmm. you want to go get the guy go convince mike to come home and that's how well respected mike is and like i said um danny was like he he wasn't mad at me but he literally was like this was your effing fault wasn't it you told Wes how good he was didn't you and i'm like yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. He asked me, "Who's the best strength coach I can hire?" I I wasn't gonna lie. The answer was Mike Rayfeld. He's like, "Yeah, man, he's the best. He's the absolute best." I was pissed when he came <laughs> into my office and told me he was leaving. I was like, "I get it, man. I'm sorry. I get it." So yep. yeah. Um. So thanks to Mike, man. That was that was. I didn't expect it. Uh, like. I thought 30, 40 minutes maybe, but we were just in a rhythm and he wasn't, again, uh, if uh, <laughs> if you don't tell us how long, like a limit, like we only get you for this much time, we're going to get as much out of you as you can. Yeah, we can come up with stuff, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. Mike, who boy, I'd love to hear him talk about each kid on the roster after summer workouts. I, we can try. I know he doesn't like to get into that. I think he feels there's some confidentiality in that. And I know Mike is, uh, like we talked about, he's uh, – he's. it's funny him and Brady together because they are two um, very different personalities, but they're both incredible at getting the job done. So that's all you can ask for. And put the Urban Artifact logo up there for a little bit. I forgot to put that up in the read. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was that was the Mike Rayfeld show, which is uh, one we've wanted to really do for a long time, and I'm glad we got that. Uh, we got that in. We'll move on to some other topics. Um,
2: oh, we're not here we're before not done.
0: we. I mean, we if we want to be done, we can be done. But <laughs> I, I think the people would like at least to hear. A little bit more from us tonight. Okay. Uh, no, okay. no nightcap tonight because Aaron is handling some uh, some personal stuff, uh, family, friend related stuff back here in Cincinnati. So no nightcap tonight. So we'll give you a little bit more here. If we were going to do a nightcap, this would probably uh, be the topic. I know we've talked about this a little bit, um, sprinkled throughout the other shows. But Dave, you've been a uh, a big proponent of no divisions. You want things to be wide open and, and uh, adjustable, adaptable from year to year When Cincinnati goes to the big 12. The NCAA is headed in that direction. Do you get the sense that that's going to be where the big 12 goes, or do you have any idea yet? Like what's your, your Uh, thought?
2: I mean, I don't, I don't really get a sense one way or the other, what they're going to do. I mean, Obviously, like you said, I personally hope that they do not do divisions, Um, especially if you're going to be in a conference that you think doesn't have that, you know, Oklahoma that's going to win the conference 17 years in a row or whatever. Like, you would just hate to set yourself up to have one team have a really great year. And then the other division all be whatever. And then the the top team out of that division upsets your top team. Like just have your two best teams play in the conference championship. I just don't understand why this is like such a hard thing for conferences to figure out. And now that the NCAA, I don't know if it's the NCAA or some committee, whatever. Sounds like maybe next week they're going to vote to basically say like you can have a conference championship game without having divisions, Right. without needing a waiver. Like, the American had a waiver because of having an odd number of teams. Um, but now, you know, if you're a 16-team league, you could do pods. I'm not sure pods work with a, gr- with a number under 16. I know some people have talked about, like, four three team pods I, I haven't gotten into the the whole micro of that but like i just want to see if you're going to play nine conference games just have three teams that you play every year and six six rotate that you that you rotate with so that unlike the sec where in the current setup set like i'm a tennessee grad we play like at lsu or at Texas A&M like once every eight years like you're not even it's almost like you're not even in the same conference right that's like
0: a that's that's an out of conference game that just happens to be in your conference game
2: it's the same way that the NFL works like the Bengals play at NFC teams once every eight years right so like you can have two two recruiting classes go through you know if guys leave like you know, that don't ever play a road game at one of these schools. So, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. I don't know, you know, which way they're going to go. I don't know if the Oklahoma-Texas element plays into it at all. Do you Do you set up two, two systems, so to speak? Do you have divisions until they leave and then you already have it set up to just we're just going to go non-divisions after they leave do you i mean i don't know it's it's an interesting dynamic because of teams coming in and out over the next several years um where the other conferences don't you know that that could choose to do this it sounds like the acc is definitely at least telling people that they're considering it or having more in-depth conversations about it. They're kind of the only ones that I've heard or seen where it's more than purely speculation on what a fan or an, a media person thinks they should do. It sounds like someone is telling college football media that the, from the ACC that this is something they're seriously discussing, which for the ACC too, it makes perfect sense, right? At least the way it's, the conference is situated right now. Like, I don't know why you would want to have divisions where you have one team that's kind of head and shoulders above everybody else currently. And obviously that's not, you know, things are cyclical. It's not going to stay that way forever, but you know, why, why would you run the risk of a, a 12 and O or an 11 and one division winner losing to like an eight and four, Team from another division in your playoff game. Like, I just doesn't make any sense to me.
0: You're eliminated. You're out at that point in time. Let's say, hypothetically, they go to three permanent games, like three permanent rivals, and then five rotating. No, six six. rotating. Six rotating if they stay at nine. Yeah. Um, Who would be your three?
2: UCF and West Virginia are the slam dunk. Have to be. Yeah. I don't know. Do. How, I don't know how like you could do anything other than those two. Uh, I put this out on Twitter the other day and got an insane amount of responses. Like I, at one point, I was thinking I was going to like, you know, tally it up and see what. But it was like there were so many. I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, I think most people, from what I could t- gather, would say Oklahoma said Oklahoma State.
0: It would be one of two for me.
2: Personally, and I could be wrong, um, I would say Baylor.
0: That would be my other one. It would be one of those two.
2: I think Baylor in football, Oklahoma State has done a lot, but it's been with Mike Gundy the whole time. Right. Baylor has... You know, you say what you will about Art Bryles as a human.
0: There's a lot to say about Art Bryles as a human. They
2: have gone through several coaches, and all of them have been pretty damn successful. And, you know, whether it was him, Matt Rule, uh, Dave Aranda now. And I I, I think that would be my choice if I was just picking the three teams that I would like to see UC play every year.
0: I mean I think like from a UC standpoint if I'm looking at the Big 12 and I'm looking at the 8 teams that are going to be remaining in the Big 12 my thought process is Baylor and Oklahoma State are more likely to be in the top 4 of the conference uh on a regular basis than anybody else right Yeah I
2: mean they're recruiting at a at a different level compared to the, the rest of the conference um and have been for for quite some time
0: i mean oklahoma state has the t-boon pickens money jason but t Boone pickens is dead like that connection is not there anymore right like you you can't just call t Boone and get whatever money you want the way it used to be because he's not taking calls anymore no and
2: but it's it's still like is it a good job if it opens? Yeah, it's a good job. Might, you know, but like it's not like they're, they're gonna just hand pick whoever they want.
0: Right. So and especially in today's day and age where it seems like more and more coaches are learning. I'm content. I'm staying put. I'm good with where I'm at, especially like the higher level coaches.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you've just very, very rarely see any more. High level coach leave for other high level job. Right. It's, it, they're, they're, I mean, we've seen it more, actually, the, we saw it a lot probably 10, 15 years ago. Then it basically stopped. And then this year you had the oddity of the Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly thing. Um, but, you know, the, you know, just like when Texas Tech opened, when Baylor opened, like, you're probably going coordinator from major school with recruiting ties in Texas, and that's a crapshoot. Like – or you're going American Athletic Conference head coach more than likely. Right. So it's it can still be – it can be a great job, and they can have all the money and all – but, like, Oklahoma State is – their next hire is going to be someone that, you know, is not a given that they're going to succeed.
0: Sure. Here's an interesting one. Rank, rank these jobs. And he added one. Um, UC, Oklahoma State, Baylor, UCF.
2: Well, hold on. Before we get to that, so were, okay. you, were you saying Baylor as well? I, I mean, I'm I, either one.
0: I'm okay with Oklahoma State or Baylor. Like, uh, West Virginia and Central Florida are absolute have-to, must-happen, like, if this scenario plays out, where you get three opponents that you play every year, yeah. and then you rotate six. West Virginia uh, and, also, and UCF are two for sure. The third – I'm okay with Baylor or Oklahoma State. See,
2: I'm I'm going. I'm also going Baylor too. From a little, and I don't want to overblow this because I think it gets overblown. But like from a tiny little bit of a recruiting standpoint, where you can recruit into Texas and you can at least say you're likely going to play here yeah. in your home state. One or two years, just depending on how the schedule falls. Maybe more, depending on how long you stay in college. But
0: every other year, you're going to play in Texas for sure.
2: And then you're going to also be able to say that to the kids in Florida, right? Like it's a very minute, it's a very small thing to be able to say, and it's probably not going to pull many a ton, a ton of kids, if any kids. But it's at least a way for you to go into to justify going into Texas to recruit a little bit more than you already are. So you can say to the Florida kids, you can say to the Texas kids, you're going to get games back in your home state.
0: You don't think playing in Stillwater every other year will have the same I, effect? I
2: don't think that kind of grabs them, you know, like, in, or, or <laughs> aims, you know. And, and so if we're going to say a Texas school, just I would just say Baylor because they're the best one right now. I mean, again, things can yeah. always change. Things change. You're one, you're one higher like away from, from Tommy damn Tuberville. So – And every one of these teams, once Texas and Baylor or Texas and Oklahoma leaves, are in that same boat. You're you are one higher away from the the bottom dropping out in a conference that maybe doesn't have a playoff team contender every year, but will be uber competitive.
0: I've changed my mind. Okay. TCU.
2: Why, why, why would you rather play them than Baylor? Because
0: we're gonna go to Dallas and get a win. We're gonna,
2: we're gonna get a win every year. Yeah, but like, if, if Sunny continues the same stuff he did at SMU, they'll go seven and zero and then lose five games in a row. And it that's fine. Win. They'll be seven and five.
0: They'll be. They'll look okay on the schedule every year. <laughs> like it'll be great. Like that's the ideal thing. Like they'll be eight and four. One of those losses is gonna be to the Bearcats. Uh, they'll finish, you know, fifth in the conference. It'll look like a good win on paper for your playoff resume. Like I and and I would rather not have to like play a Baylor twice,
2: right? No, but I like seeing good games and good and
0: sure. You know. I, I love watching UC play Sunny Dyke's teams.
2: I don't I yeah, I you know they're, <laughs> they're like uh SMU varsity edition.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the UC SMU games the past couple of years. I, I've I've had a lot of fun watching those. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going TCU. That's okay. my pick. That's my pick. Look, if the goal, I'll, I'll, if the goal is get to twelve, you know, eleven and 1, 12 and zero, make the conference championship game and give, oh, a well chance, then, yeah, give then, yourself a chance.
2: Then give me Kansas.
0: <laughs> I was getting to you, Crip Keeper. We were in the middle of a conversation. Um, uh yes bob bell
2: Correct. but you're and so now were were you gonna ask me about ranking these jobs yeah
0: rank rank these jobs cincinnati oklahoma state baylor central florida
2: i mean it's so hard like are we talking about right this second where they Uh, are right this second
0: like if the job came open and you had to pick from those four jobs let's do it that way like you're a prominent college football head coach uh those four jobs are open and they it's all so, are but it's are so calling.
2: it's so um I don't know it's just so diff- difficult because like I'm a prominent head football coach but I I have ties to somewhere so like sure. if I'm if I if I'm a, a southeast kind of guy then I'm probably picking UCF if I'm a midwest guy I'm picking UC like if we're talking about setup for success in the big 12 going forward as they stand right now, I think, you know,
0: I would go Baylor one.
2: I, you know, well, I would go Baylor one use Oklahoma state too, just because they, I mean, as much as we want to think that we're going to go in there and I don't know if people think we're going to, if UC fans think we're going to go in there and dominate, if they think we're going to go in there and be competitive, but like they are a good ways ahead of where UC is from an infrastructure standpoint, Yep. From a recruiting standpoint, like UC's recruited, awesome, the last four years. Oklahoma State and Baylor, without me looking it up, have finished at least twenty spots ahead of UC in the rankings. Every almost every one of those yeah, years, yeah, they've
0: they've recruited. Basically, at the level that UC is is looking to get to in twenty twenty three, right? Right, and they've if been they finish doing out it, this class,
2: yeah, and they, yeah, and they've been stacking classes like that. No, no, obviously, right. not every class is great, and maybe I'm sure some of their classes are in the upper teens, and some of them are in the low thirties. But you get what I'm saying. Like, what we think is great for UC is great for UC, but it's still a ways to go from where those teams are. And you just have a you have an infrastructure in place where you've been getting 25 to $30 million a year from yeah, and you seem to be getting seven. So right now, give me a couple years to see what happens. What What's the new money? What's what's UC able to do with that? What are they able to keep, you know, are we keeping Luke three or four more years? Like who's, who's leaving the big 12 who coaching wise? Like, but I mean, if we're talking right here, this very second, they UC would be third, and I would put UCF fourth, just because they're just not as far along with an on the field product. They have a lot of benefits, but I'm interested to see. Similarly, it's like UC like, what is going to the Big Twelve do? Does it help them a ton? In does it recruiting? resonate in Florida? Right, right. Well, the I same. mean, does it resonate in Ohio? It's the same type of thing that we're going to find out. Um, because like everyone says, they want to go into Ohio, but they don't everyone actually does go into florida
0: if you're not recruiting florida as a staff you're
2: thinking right it. like what what staff you know east of the rocky mountains just doesn't recruit florida
0: this is always fascinating to me i haven't looked it up um this year so i'm going to look it up right now while you talk first or we we filibuster for a second um uh i don't know recruiting rankings are are a good start um okay i've got i've got what i wanted to get let's see i'm scrolling i'm scrolling i'm scrolling i'm scrolling i'm scrolling i am looking at dave four star players in the state of florida oh god four star higher there's probably what how many, how, I, I wanted to guess, how many composite, 24-7 composite, four-star players are there in the state of Florida?
2: Well, just four stars or five players. stars, too? Well, four
0: and five star. Like, how far did I have to scroll down before I found a three-star?
2: Okay, so there's usually between 25 and 35 stars in a class. I would guess five to seven of them are from Florida, if not more. Seven. Seven, seven. seven. okay. So then on top of that, four stars, I would say there are 31. Ha! 61.
0: 71. Oh, my God. <laughs> 71. That's the last four-star player in the state of Florida. Number 71. Okay? How many four-star players in Ohio?
2: Hmm. Nine
0: composite 2023 class. Nine. Seven.
2: Seven. <laughs> no ten no, percent. No five stars.
0: Uh, I don't think there's a five star this year. No, there's know. not. Luke Montgomery is forty three. He is the closest. Number two is eighty five nationally. Florida has seven guys in the top thirty, basically. Yeah. Okay, so when I'm scrolling down on Florida, I have to, like, get to 50 and then hit see more to get 71. Number 32 in Ohio is where the list stops. That's the last three-star player in the state of Ohio in this class in the composite, number 32. (laughs) He's at 80.54, nationally 990. So, number 71 is basically top 250. There's 71 top 250 players in the state of Florida. There's a total of 32 three-star or or higher players in the state of Ohio. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's why everybody recruits Florida. Yeah. And, you know, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting, you know, does that Big 12, does just that making that jump, like, I think it makes a difference. Uh, I think it makes a difference for Houston uh, versus, you know, but I also wonder, too. Like, when you go into the Big 12, these other schools, Houston, UCF, like, they, how, what is the transfer portal going to do? Because we know it's not changing for UC. Like, they're only going to use it to supplement very specific things. Right. Where I feel like, you know, what we saw SMU do, what we've seen Houston do, what UCF seems to be doing more of, um, I think like is it basically going to be almost a 50-50 split?
0: Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. A couple other interesting I
2: know popular. I know SMU the other day got like just like had a three transfers immediately. Yeah. Like That's
0: this, their thing they yeah. live it's, in the portal.
2: That's the whole that's the whole point, Tonk. Tonk it keeps you guys watching. It might be like a a, a scream type situation. You never know who's going <laughs> to jump out of the darkness but then they gonna... kill you. to. No, st- I'll see them coming. i stab them with my pen. Okay. Cause okay. See, I'm, I have I can see them coming. Tonk, see over there thanks. there's a spot there. This is a this is a pantry. No one's coming out of there. But uh
0: thanks again for the donation tonk uh i'm gonna start like i'm gonna start making you guys if you want to ask questions you're gonna have to it's, donate it's
2: tonk or like uh 65 year old white he's booster. our benefactor yeah he's, he's our you yeah, know he's our he's our bag man
0: if you're in you if you're on youtube watching uh right under the chat there's a little dollar sign you can donate there uh He'll donate five hundred when you eliminate someone with a pen.
2: Well, I'll probably need more than that from my lawyers. So, <laughs>
0: um, you can donate there at the bottom of the YouTube chat, or you can join uh, and become a a monthly subscriber. And once we get that monthly subscriber count up to fifty, uh, we'll start doing some live shows and stuff that are exclusive, that are premium for uh, for BCJ subscribers. So if you want to join to help get that subscriber count up and if we do subscriber chats like those are going to be significant right we're not just slap dicking around uh for for the people that are paid to subscribe and just me and dave are going to talk uh schedule release or something do i do i get any
2: of the of this of these donations or these strictly go
0: uh we'll see we'll see (laughs) That ten dollars goes to you to get a better background. All right, <laughs> I'll put an extra ten on your. Uh, your well, in,
2: in a little less than a month, my background will be the beach. So I hope I hope that works. In
0: a little more than a month, my background will be the beach. Uh, so yeah, if I'm,
2: ju- if I'm still ju- up, upright at eight o'clock at night, yeah, June, June's gonna be
0: a little a little slow at times. Uh, my problem is like. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot happening in June.
2: Yeah. We have the two busiest recruit weekends ever. Like I'm on vacation and then you go on vacation.
0: Yeah. It's not, it's not a great,
2: it's not like we can just say like, yeah, we're not going to do one this week.
0: Right. No, I'll be in LA doing one. Like I will I'll have the microphone with me and the headphones and the laptop and, and we'll figure out a way to, to get one done. Uh, my wife, might want to strangle me, but maybe that'll be good for her and uh her and Kels to to have a little a little night out. Yeah. While while in LA. Uh people should pay for questions. Even just a dollar. This shit's unreal content. I appreciate you, brother. Uh greatly, greatly appreciated. Um Dave after dark sub chats. Now that would be that would be golden.
2: I mean the 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 podcast on uh let's see what day is it gonna be June 9th. That one uh <laughs> that one could could definitely fall into that category. Where'd you say you're going to Destin?
0: Is that yeah. where you said? Okay. Yeah. I thought you guys used to didn't you go to like Alabama somewhere?
2: And we went to uh Hilton Head last year. Okay. Outside Charleston two years ago. We we everybody that goes Writes down a place, and we draw out of a hat, and that's where we go the next year. Like we've it? Gotten, like we've gotten we've gotten lucky. There's been some very suspect locales put into this hat that, <laughs> that uh, if we're drawn, we'd have all been like, absolutely not.
0: Oh, that's great. My dad,
2: my dad's yeah. usually the one doing that. So,
0: if he draws a bad one, will he? Will he just? But no. He puts not in the anybody? terrible
2: locations that he thinks would be oh. fun that only he wants to go to.
0: Like Fort let's go to Fort Wayne, yeah. Fort Wayne, Indiana for the weekend. For well, no, the, the, week.
2: the one I'm nervous about because now we have 13 people going, which is twice as many as usually go. I'm nervous someone's going to throw. There's going to be too many Disneyland's in there or Disney World, World whichever World. one's in Florida, and I, I'm not I'm not ready for that yet.
0: But that's it. Like you could wear Will out. I think you could wear Will out in Disneyland. No, he would wear me out
2: for sure. Without I would questions. just want to go to Epcot and drink and you know.
0: But that you've got the grandparents are there. You could send Will with the grandparents, and like I'll be at Epcot doing you know yeah. beers around the world I or whatever. I don't
2: think that would go over very, very
0: well. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but, so so I, I think I would go I would have Cincinnati ahead of Oklahoma State as a because I just I wonder like without Bedlam. How much of a hit does Oklahoma t- State take without Bedlam? That's such a
2: like. I mean, they never win it, so
0: I know. But it's their chant; they're in the spotlight every they, year they, because of that game, right? They like, won it this
2: year, and now it's gonna yeah. you know, go away in a couple of years. But yeah,
0: I wonder how much damage that does recruiting Oklahoma. Like, there's not a ton of uh, of of you know just natural talent in Oklahoma. Um, I would go Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, then UCF. But
2: Well, I wonder, though, I mean, in a weird way, does it actually benefit them? Because I imagine Oklahoma is going to somewhat change their recruiting footprint. So does it actually open up more opportunities for Oklahoma State?
0: Do you really think they're going to? have to change the footprint that much like they recruit pretty nationally as is
2: they do but I mean I, I imagine they're going to be in Louisiana more they're going to be in Atlanta more they're going to be in Florida yeah. more so I think that's fair um, um, but I mean that's I mean not all of it is Part of the reason that I this to me this is like, I mean we'd be excited to be going into any conference, but sure. Like, I'm not saying I'm more excited to go into the Big Twelve. I'm just saying like there are so many unknowns, of, right? But not unknowns of like, oh man, this could go ho- totally horrible, like. Well, when it's not Texas from, and Oklahoma
0: you, going into the the SEC where when it's When you go like, from
2: the Big shit. East to the American, there's a lot of unknowns, none of them that are appealing, that you want to actually find the answers to. Right. Like I'm, Also, when you go into like the
0: SEC West, like that's a nightmare, right?
2: That's nightmare fuel. Texas, like I don't – I don't know what people think is going to happen to them. Like, I know Texas every fan base is delusional to some extent, but, like, you weren't good in the Big 12. Do you think you're all of a sudden going to recruit at a level that is so great that you're going – like, it sounds like a disaster to me
0: you put 10 guys in the NFL draft and stunk. Yeah. That's how much talent is in the SEC West.
2: I mean, Texas had top three recruiting classes three of the last four years and didn't put anybody in the draft. Zero players drafted. Now that's None. more of a development thing in my opinion. Sure. And sure. not necessarily the current coach's fault. Uh, since he was only there one, ye- has only been there one year. Sure, but like for all the money and resources and everything they have from a football infrastructure standpoint, they are so far behind. Like the top when six they or should se- be so far ahead. They're t- like they're so far behind the top six or seven teams that I'm like thinking of off the top of my head. <laughs> that like great, you're gonna get a bunch more money. Cool.
1: Congratulations. You know, who else
2: is, you know who else has been getting a bunch more money? Purdue and Indiana and Minnesota and Maryland and Nebraska. Right. And, like, they Missouri. all get a shit ton of money. And what do they do with it? Like, all the money in the world isn't going to jump the what Alabama is doing, what LSU has the potential to do, what George is doing. Like, What the Texas A&M Collective is doing. (laughs) Right. Um, Any
0: chance Dez is the starting quarterback when the Falcons play the Bengals? What's that, week seven? Something
2: like that. Um, I think there's definitely a chance. Like – Yeah, I mean, injuries or, like, anything could happen. Oh, I I mean, I
0: wouldn't even say injuries. I mean... I know, I'm just saying, like, that, like something like that could happen, he'd be the starter. But, like, the reality is, like, are they going to give Mariota a full year? Are they going to slow play it?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, like, without knowing, like, tell me when Atlanta's bye is, and tell me what their record is going into the Bengals game, and I'll give you, you know, a good percentage of, you know, it's shit already off the rails and they're one in five or something. And they're just like, yeah, let's just play him. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think he'll definitely start. You know he's not going to be even given like first team reps, but because no. uh, the NFL just it's just totally different than than college. Like your backup is not getting reps in practice. Right. But I could see them, you know, being like, "All right, let's let's put him out there and you know see what happens if things aren't going well." I mean, they're not beholden to Mariota. He's on like a two year deal, I and mean, they could right. Move on from him after one season. Uh, is Texas really getting
0: that much more money? They've been getting Longhorn Network money yes, as well. They That's will.
2: They, uh, the next SEC contract. Is if the left. Big Ten gets a billy a year, who, buddy. Yeah. I mean, we're talking five, 3 to $5 billion dollars a year in the next mm-hmm. SEC contract. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like the the deal that the SEC signed with ESPN it was signed like at least a year or two ago and isn't starting until um, 2024 I think when because the SEC is moving off of the CBS thing and that whole like Saturday afternoon Saturday night package is going to ESPN. That was 300 million. and that is right now, they haven't even started. The con- like the actual contract, and that is a steal. Yeah. Like ESPN is stealing that that content for three hundred million dollars. That's. I mean, it's nuts. Right, and it's. I'm very glad that after the Big Ten is up, then the Big Twelve is up.
0: Yeah, I mean they're not getting Big Ten money by any. Oh no, but, but somebody
2: is somebody is losing out on high. that contract that wants live right. sports.
0: For sure, and it's going to be interesting who are all players in that because everybody's kind of jockeying for position right now. Well, it's funny the
2: Fox is like brokering the whole deal for the Big Ten. Yeah, like yeah. They're doing the like, so they're in. Fox owns
0: the Big Ten Network, right?
2: Yeah, so they're kind of like brokering the, doing the negotiations for whether it's CBS, NBC, ESPN to like take on whatever other part of because Fox isn't getting rid of the Big Ten, Um, right? You know, that's their cash cow. Like, like ESPN is for the SEC. Um. But it's just, you know, it's interesting. We always gripe about ESPN, and I saw something today. ESPN and ESPN Plus are still in, or ESPN and ESPN2 are still in more houses than any of the other networks. So we can say we don't like them and we want to try something else, but if you want the coverage and that, what I call kind of that, like, ingrained mindset of there's not a game that I'm dying to watch right now where you just automatically go to ESPN. Right. Like if you're not seeking out something specifically, you just you like subconsciously you just go to ESPN. Turn into
0: ESPN, see what's on, and then you go from there, right? Right.
2: Like if that's not interesting, then you make another decision. But like if it if you see played at noon and it's seven o'clock. I'm just going to ESPN unless there's a game I absolutely know that I want to watch. SEC
0: per school payout's going to be like, what, 70 million? Like right now it is, or it's like 50 something right it's now, It's like 50 right? now, yeah. With the new deal, that could get
2: over a hundred. Oh, sure. With all their other, like with the total package and who's all involved, like depending on who's all involved in the SEC network portion of it, like yeah, that's... And, the, you know, they're going to be putting games on ESPN Plus. Sure, got to get your money there. So, I mean, once... SC... Let's think of, like, all the people, all the SEC fans that don't have SEC Plus or ESPN Plus right now. Well, they have okay. SEC Network, right? SEC Network Plus. <laughs> well, no, but
0: I'm saying, like... Which is a different thing than ESPN Plus, by the way.
2: Yeah, but I'm saying, like... Yeah, if I know you're, what you're saying. If you're just a football fan, you might, and you're in the, you're like, if you're a Georgia football fan, you you might not have ESPN Plus.
0: Yeah, because every game's on network somewhere right now.
2: Yeah, and you and you're not as concerned about like catching the random Georgia basketball game that that they plug on ESPN Plus, but now they're starting to put SEC, not SEC versus SEC games, but. Um, there are SEC games on ESPN plus now. So, and I'm yeah, sure down, like the, the, I'm sure down really the line, like way. it's like we talked about with you see, like when they, you know, when the American went to ESPN plus, they're not just going to put a bunch of bad games on there. Cause they want people to pay for it. and They want people to go to it. So eventually the SEC is going to have Alabama versus Mississippi state or something like that on SEC plus. Cause they want, that all the Alabama fans to have to buy it, right? It but the thing sur- with
0: like the thing with SEC fans is if you put Alabama versus Louisiana Lafayette on SEC, or on ESPN Plus, every Alabama fan's going to get ESPN Plus, yeah. and then how That's many true. people actually cancel those subscriptions like after they use it for oh, their one yeah. game or
2: whatever? Hardly, e- hardly ever. Right. So yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, it. it the reality is, Dave. No,
0: no matter what the Big Twelve deal is, we are entering into a a world where it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC that are going to be.
2: Yeah, it's up here. It's, it's P two.
0: Yeah. P two and then uh, a three, like the the power two and or the O3, the other three. Yeah. <laughs> and then the G five.
2: And that's, I mean, honestly, like. There's no reason, in my opinion, that the Big 12 cannot be number three in that order. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, the other conferences have schools that, historically, if they get their shit together, would dwarf anything the Big 12 will have to offer. But, right. as a collective, there's no reason that they can't... Uh, Get themselves into that realm, right? Do I For think sure. the Big Ten regrets any records? No, because at the time, it was all about addresses and subscriptions. So it Correct. served its purpose at the time and gave them the footing to start the Big Ten network that is now, you know, basically part, network part of your package. No matter what you, ha- yeah, you know, no matter what you have. Um, and I don't think they care that Rucker stinks because they got all those cable boxes when they needed them that helped, that gave them the money to grow the big 10 network into what it is now.
0: Sorry about the mic, Jason. That's my bad. I had to venture from the desk for a second and I forgot to switch it back. That's what Aaron's good for. Aaron hits me in the private chat and tells me, (laughs) "Don't don't switch my microphone back. Um, there's not many big markets in the Big 12, so I don't know what affect the next TV negotiation. Um,
2: I don't think markets when it's
0: kind of a thing of the past now.
2: Yeah, it's because again, it's not about cable boxes anymore. Right, it's about streaming and total views, and you know, because the thing was, it wasn't the Big Ten didn't care if anybody watched. The Big Ten Network. It was automatically included in your base package. In your package, so adding the Rutgers market, they didn't give a shit if one person watched a Rutgers game. It was they were they were paying for it, right? So it's different now that people have YouTube TV and or they're just streaming everything, or you know, it's it's just a different a different landscape now where. Just adding some a large city doesn't benefit you if those people aren't actually watching.
0: Dallas and Houston are huge. And and in this new world, BYU is a major deal because that's a kind of nationwide fan base. Um see, like, it's, a, it's a very yeah. large fan base that are gonna consume so global whatever. Fan base. Yeah, yeah. If they're gonna consume whatever BYU is doing. See, so BYU Dallas- helps.
2: Dallas and Houston are huge, but they fit into the old model. Like, how right. many people in Dallas, are, like we joke about it all the time, how many people in Dallas watch SMU games? A
0: slightly smaller number than watch TCU games.
2: Right. So, like, while the city itself is huge, how many people are watching Houston Cougar, Kansas Jayhawk football? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, if, uh, if it was all about cable boxes then hell yeah but it unfortunately it isn't anymore and i and i think that's why you see it the t- the teams that are being added yes the market does matter like i think that you know <clears throat> it does matter it's a gr- it's a growth market like they're looking at growth market what what can you become not what necessarily you are now but like right that's why like an ecu i don't think ever moves because as good as they are on the field, it's Greenville, North Carolina. Um, but it's still – like now it's just more about, okay, how many eyeballs are you bringing? Right. Like who's actually coming to these games? Who is watching these games? Who's paying attention to our product?
0: That's where the Big East is in trouble, right? Like. In yeah. this new world, they only bring basketball, and they only bring small, regional fan bases.
2: Yeah, long term, mm-hmm. like
0: that's a dangerous model for the Big East.
2: Well, I think anything basketball centric is a dangerous model. Well,
0: yeah, but, I mean, they thought like we're going <laughs> to recreate what happened in the '80s with the Big East.
2: Except you didn't blocks. have any. Of, none of those teams are still in the Big East.
0: Yeah, but I just think they. thought <laughs> Like, we're, we're going to, like, we're going to find the magic again.
2: Yeah, but like, that, I mean, to me, that's just, like, totally flawed thinking because that's, like, I mean, you had years and years and years of, of sweat equity built up in those teams. Like, right. you can't just find magic out of teams that never played each other or upstart teams like a Clayton. or.
0: or- or St. John's and Georgetown that have completely fallen off the map.
2: Right. Like your your original Big East teams aren't any good.
0: Except Villanova, and now they don't well, have Jay it, Wright.
2: Well, yeah. Who knows what happens now?
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, you're a, in, they're in an
0: interesting spot, I think, the Big East.
2: You're, you got, you know, you have just these kind of like, they're very, very randomly located, even though they say, you know, Big East. But, like, I mean, you're talking about Providence, Rhode Island, you know, St. John's, Seton Hall. Like, what are, th- again, who's watching? Not who could be watching it. Now it matters who is watching.
0: Right. That's, uh, it's going to be interesting for them because guess what? Not a lot of people watched on Fox Sports 1. Not a lot of people have watched on Fox Sports One,
2: and I think that's just what that's where that's where I think being on ESPN matters so much more in basketball. Yeah, when you you only have twelve games, like you can put some on Fox, you can put some on FS One, you can put some on FS Two if you need to, like, and and you'll be okay. But like, just I mean. When UC had that deal with CBS Sports and like half the conference games were on CBS Sports, it's like no one's fucking watching that. Yeah, no, no one, no one outside of the UC, you know, UC's fans is watching that because none of the other leagues were watching, none of the other teams in the <laughs> league, fan bases were watching their shit teams. Right. So, you know, and and I hate you know, I. I hate to say it because like we want football and basketball to be as, as high level as possible, but like just the regular season of college basketball anymore, like just does not get views.
0: No, because it happens kind of quietly, right. Until until the NFL's like, Hey, we just saw tonight the NFL for three days has dominated social media with a schedule release. For teams that already knew exactly
2: who, who they were and
0: where they were playing, we just didn't know the win.
2: All it did, yeah, all it is is allowing me to like figure out the, my calendar for the rest of the year. Right. Like you already knew you play these teams out of conference
0: at home, you play these teams out of conference away. This is your crossover games, these are your number, you're the number well, one. In, so a couple, in a couple years, the,
2: in a couple years, in a couple years, the NFL season is going to go into March.
0: Do you think the Super Bowl goes into March?
2: They're going to add an eight, an eighteenth game at some point.
0: Yeah, that still would be the third weekend in February.
2: The Super Bowl go now. The Super Bowl is February twelfth or thirteenth this year. I think twelfth. That's the
0: second weekend.
2: So then the nineteenth
0: would be the third weekend, and then
2: you got two weeks until the Super Bowl. Yeah, i mean on, on they're certain, the gold I mean, standard whether it's the very end of february or it's into march like <laughs> it's it's basically the yeah. same thing
0: for sure realignment talk puts butts in seats no argument there no nope. Co- coaching,
2: coaching changes and realignment's the best the best <laughs> no. uh subscriber driver that we've ever had
0: yep couldn't couldn't uh, complain <laughs> or or uh, disagree there at all. All right, man. Um, speaking of CBS, net, how much, uh, yeah. Well, what a great job, Jim. Yes, I, I heard
2: that that wasn't true. He does not make that much. That no, was, he
0: makes that much.
2: I, I read an article saying that that was not true and it was fabricated.
0: Okay, unless they reduced his contract. Like he signed a long term contract back when he was
2: Jim I just, Rome. I just like. Fox paying Tom Brady $375 million without having any fucking idea at all. If he's good at if he's calling any football good.
0: games. Yeah. Don't care. It's Tom Brady. Tom <laughs> Brady.
2: At the same time, like, I, I mean, maybe I'm just not like, I don't care who the announcers are.
0: I don't pay much attention to them
2: anymore. No. Like, are there that many people that are like, oh, Tom Brady's calling this game. I'm definitely watching this one instead of that one that I and Eagle and, you know, Jim Spinarco are calling.
0: There are definitely guys that I pay more attention to because I know they're better.
2: But you're watching it. like if, if if they're really good, they're doing a big game. So you're watching it because the game is good, not because right. of the announcers. Sure.
0: But I'm, I'm talking about in terms of my attention level. Right. If I know there's a really good announcer crew, I'll pay a little bit more attention to the announcers. But my brain already is like...
2: That's a super... That's a super underrated, not talked about element of going to the Big 12, is that the basketball announcing is going to get a hell of a lot better.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no offense to our guy, Mark Adams. Uh, oh, no.
2: Not him. Mark, Mark
0: does a great job.
2: <laughs> There's some others that...
0: <laughs> some others that aren't on Mark's level. There's a reason Mark gets most of the really good games, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, all right, man, I think we're good. Like, an hour with Mike Rayfeld, an hour... <laughs> This whole, like, now that we've got the chat flowing, it makes, it it takes a little stress off of us in terms of like, what are we going to talk about? Because we can just kind of hang out and talk with chat. It's,
2: it's It's definitely helpful when they're, you know, when we're in kind of a, a quiet, quiet yeah. period.
0: Yeah. It helps out quite a bit.
2: You guys are welcome
0: for the stream. If you want, there's a join button if you're on YouTube, right underneath the uh, the screen here, the, the the thing you're looking at. There's a donate button when we're live. You can donate. Um, thanks to everybody for, for well. Before we go, since we only did one, there was like a, only only a couple segments tonight. We weren't very uh, choppy this time, but that is the urban artifact timestamp. Urban Artifact is the largest sour-only brewery in the U.S. 700,000 pounds of real fruit into their lineup of fruit tarts every year. Swing by their north side taproom, mentioned Bearcat Journal. Get $2 off a flight of four. Tasters. All right, man. Thanks to Mike Rayfelt. That was that was as good an interview as we've done in a while. Uh, letting you guys get to know Mike and kind of see his thought process and, and how great he is and why he's so great at his job. Uh, So that was outstanding. Big thanks to Mike for coming on. Thanks, as always, to Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. No nightcap tonight. Uh, We'll be back with that in a couple days once Aaron gets uh, back to normal. But uh, we'll see you next time. This is the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com.